your favorite toy truck nerds are back. Welcome to That Scale RC Show. Hey guys, what's up and welcome back to this episode of That Scale RC Show. We are on episode 103 and it'll be myself, Adam, with Travis and our special guest, Scooter Scott. Unfortunately, Jay had to bail at the last second, so we had to just uh, continue on without him. So, um, what's up guys? Not much. Doing good. And uh, another bonus is Scooter's been like probably like one of the longest followers and supporters of that Scale RC show. So it's kind of cool to finally get him on the show. And like some other people have commented, can't believe it's taken this long. Um, but here we are. Oh, definitely a long-time listener. It uh, feels weird being on this side of the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But but look at it this way. This this way you actually can like instead of like commenting out loud to yourself when you're hearing what we have to say, you can actually have a voice and you know very true. Out. we can, you know, go from there. Yeah, very true. I don't have to yell at the invisible person in my truck while I'm driving down the road. See, I thought that was just me. <laughs> I was wondering if I was <laughs> I was yeah, I was I was thinking about that today. I was you know, I was listening to sports radio on my way home from from work and I was like sitting there like talking through it. I was like, man, like Am I weird for doing this? Or is like, is this everyone's experience? Because <laughs> like responding I, to them as they're talking. I, I do it a lot, but I practically live in my truck. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I guess we'll start out with, you know, the typical icebreaker, which always cracks me up because um, sometimes I have to, you know, bring them up because – it's like, oh, it's been so long since we've actually done that. Um, but, yeah, we'll dive right into it. Um, what was your first scale crawler? First scale crawler was a TRX-4 full chassis kit. Nice. With a Proline 4-runner body. So is it scale? I don't know. Portals, I guess it depends on who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've kind of all voiced our opinion on that. Do you still have that car? I do. It's one that I'll probably never get rid of. Um, it was modified after the bumper episode many, many moons ago where you guys talked about bumpers over bumpers. And I looked at mine, and it still had the Lexan bumper plus the metal bumper I put on it, and it came right off, and the bumper got chopped off, and I'm like, I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> Nice. But yeah, I'll, I run it all the time. Um, it's the purple forerunner that comes on my feet oh, okay. all the time. Um, okay. I, I probably will never get rid of it. The body's pretty rough, but you know, it's sentimental at this point. Yeah, I, I've been down that road. I did the same thing. Um, I still have my first scale body but it is no longer a running rig that i mean that rig i still have it got turned into something else 
but um, that body I still have just for like kind of the same purpose, sentimental right. value. Yep. Um, and then what would be your favorite scale crawler that you own? You know, I, I have a lot. <laughs> this one actually shocks a lot of people when I say it, but my Gen 8 with the J Concepts tucked body is my favorite truck. I, I don't know why. It's all stock except for Holmes Hobby Motor and 1080 speed control other than that and MKS Servo. I mean, it's stock chassis, stock suspension. I mean, but it, it's my favorite rig. I go to it all the time. Awesome. Hey, I mean, everybody's got that rig that, you know, gets them through everything. So, you know, and they come in all different brands. So um, some work better for others. And yeah, so can't knock anybody for that. No. Um, what, uh, where is your favorite place to go crawling? Man, there's... I'd have to say the park in Sioux Falls City, South Dakota, is my favorite place. Like, I go out of my way when I'm in that area to stop there to crawl. It's like a waterfall through a park, but a rock course right through the waterfall. So it's like water obstacles and rock obstacles. And it's a park, so there's always hundreds of people walking through, and you would think that people would look at you like, why are you out there with toy trucks? But they all stop and gawk and like, wow, that's cool. That's awesome. So it's the, the crawling's great and the atmosphere is great. Cause you get to you know talk to people about the hobby. Awesome. Unfortunately, it's 12 hours away. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bummer. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, work takes me that way every six weeks or so. So it's not like it's long times I have to go without growing there. Well, that's not too bad. So what would be your favorite RC event? I've only been to one and that's USTE. Um, I have builds that are specifically built for Axial Fest that have never been ran because I built them for Axial Fest and one day they'll get ran at Axial Fest. But um, the only event I've ever been to is USTE, which was an absolute blast, especially when it comes to scale because that's what that event is all about is scale trucks, tiny tire trucks, pitchers. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's worth trying to make it to that event at least once in your lifetime. Yeah, Jay and I were talking about that recently. Where it's like we, we, I mean, we have to do more events in general. But USDE was, I think, if we were going to pick, like trying to do two every year, we needed to make that one of them. I mean, that's, that's a long trip for you guys, especially. Oh yeah, trying, trying to take product. Like, yeah, yeah, that's 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 a brutal trip. But I mean, it's I suppose at some point we kind of have to buckle down and do it. But yeah, that, right. if we're going to go to one, that's probably one of them that we need to do the vendor row there is just great. I think there was 41 vendors this year. It's absolutely nuts. Like you, you can spend the whole event just in vendor row and have a good time and never even fire a truck up and take it on one of the nine trails. 
Nice. Yeah, it's nice to see other events, you know, growing because it kind of reminds me of like the early Axial Fest days when there was only like, you know, like I think the first time I saw the USTE, it was, I want to say like, and correct me if I'm wrong, like under 500, um, you know, uh, attendees, you know, that went. Yeah, for sure. And it's like now you're getting into like the thousands and it's kind of crazy because it's like as much as, you know, I guess some people have a hard time believing, but like, I remember the first Axia Fest I went to, there was like 400 people there. And we thought that was a lot back then because, you know, every little like get together we went to, there was like 20, 30, you know, maybe people there. And then all of a sudden you go to this, you go to Axial Fest and you see there's 400 people there and you're like, Whoa, there's a lot of people here. And then, fast forward a couple of years and they're like, you know, up to like 1600 people are there. And you're like, now this is a lot of people. You're like, Holy crap. And then, you know, but like I said, just seeing that progression, um, I think was awesome because, you know, obviously it's growing the hobby, but to see other events like USTE, uh, Proline by the fire. And I think even like dead man's crawl starting to gain traction. It's nice to see these events, just growing. And then also, how could I forget crawl for a cure? Um, crawl for a cure at the final or farewell crawl. They broke the, I think they, I think they broke 1500 people. If I'm not mistaken. So, wow. Do you notice that there's that many people there? What was that? You notice that many people at those events? Oh, oh, you, you, you definitely notice because you can see the crowd. And then like, when you look at the trail, the, the clusters of people, it's like, you see a lot of people on trail versus like when we first went, like, cause I remember I've been to every single crawl ferry here, which to me is kind of like a, I guess you can say like a bucket list item. Like it was nice to be able to say, I went to the very first of something and the very last, which it's also bittersweet because it's like, you don't want to hear it, that it came to an end, but you know, stuff happens. And it's like the very first crawl for a cure was kind of like a get together. There was maybe 50 people. It was super small, you know, and it was just kind of like laid back. But then the next year, more and more people, then more and more people. And then you just start watching like, cause like, like I said, at the beginning, you could look over at the trail and you're like, Oh, there's like 10 people on trail. Everybody else must be back at the trucks having lunch or something. And then when you get to the ones where there's like 1500 people there, you're like, holy crap, we better go sit down and wait and, you know, or whatever you can mingle, check out vendor row, whatever. Then go out. Once you notice there's more, you know, not so many bottlenecks, but yeah, the more people definitely create more bottlenecks. So it's like a give and take kind of thing. Yeah, it was like I said, USD is the only one I've been at, and they were just shy of a thousand people this year. And the only time you could tell that there was a thousand people there was at the end of the day when they were doing raffles. During the rest of the day, like you look around and you see a hundred people here, but with nine trails that are a mile long, people are spread out pretty far. Yeah, it, it didn't feel big until the end of the day when they all gathered up for raffles, and it was like, oh my lord, there's a lot of people here. <laughs> So it was just a curiosity of what other events feel like. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the best way I can say it because I mean, obviously I've been to other stuff like non RC, like, you know, you go to concerts or whatever and you see, you know, thousands and thousands of people like, you know, that's, like I said, you can notice when there's that many people there. 
So, yeah. But, yeah. Um, sorry, let me get back to my placeholder, which now doesn't want to work. Um, the current number of rigs you own. Total RCs owned as of today is 28. And that, that's across the board. Um, my original nitro car, again, sentimental reasons. It'll never go anywhere. I'll never drive it again, but it'll never go anywhere. Um, five bashers, 13 cars, which three are 24s. Six oval cars, a Yeti Junior, a D12 uh, key truck, and then a drone. Nice. Yeah. So it's it's quite a collection for someone that's been in the hobby for three years essentially. Did three years and you've already accumulated that many cars? Oh, a lot of vehicles. A lot of came and gone too. Wow. But, yeah. <laughs> I need to. I need to. I need to play that for Michelle so she doesn't like you know. Yeah. She right. Thinks, she thinks like the accumulation that I've gotten over like the past like you know, 10 years is like ridiculous. And, you know, <laughs> and most in mine have it's been that it's been the accumulation. Cause like the first two years I had like one car and then I finally mustered up. Okay. I got to buy another car. You know, I, I can't just have one, you know, and then it just starts snowballing from there. Then it just started turning into, oh, I got to have this, got to have that. Oh, I want this. I want that. So for sure. Um, was it that way with you or was it just like, boom, 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 just had to have it. Um, no, like the first year and a half was like, I, I just had the TRX four and then I got a slash to run on the oval course because like I, I joined the local RC club and you know, they all do everything and it's like watching them run the oval and I'm like, Oh, I got to do this. So like first year, year and a half, I just had the TRX four and a slash and then it was like, okay, I need this. I need this. I need this. I need that. And that's kind of where the the scale box thing came in to support the hobby so that my wife wasn't always asking, why is this $500 coming out of the bank? Why this $500 come out? Why? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like my uh, private bank account for RC. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I it accumulated quickly. And like I said, a lot of came and gone too. So I mean, twenty eight is what currently sits in the house. Wow, nice. Which I, I've heard other people on the show that you know the three hundred. You know, so I, I don't feel bad at twenty eight. Or people that have their shed and they don't even know how many's in the shed. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you- yeah. Just justify every yeah. Just justify everything then as a, a work purchase. This is for work. <laughs> Works pretty um, pretty well for me so far. <laughs> well, well, for like you and your dad, you know, having SOR, well, you kind of can you know use that as a work you know purchase. Hey, we need it for a wrap. Hey, we need it to test parts. Hey, we need to make parts. Hey, we need to do this. You know, so it works. Yep. So yeah. not Makes all of us get to do that. Fair. So got buy it for work and then write it off for work and and sell it like that six by six. I can't believe it's still just sitting there stock. 
Uh, it, it just needs to continue setting their stock for a little bit longer and then sell it. Right. The market for those are hot right now. We should just sell it. Yeah, it's funny watching how this market goes. It like fluctuates all over the place. Like one minute you think like, oh, this is dying out. Then all of a sudden there's a resurgence of it and you're just like, whoa, what is going on? Yeah, I almost wonder if Axial will re-release a new 6x6 just because of how hot the market is right now. I don't know. Um, I actually talked to somebody earlier today about a question of if I knew anything about a certain rig um, falling off, you know, retiring, um, and if there's going to be a comeback or if there's going to be a 2.0 version. And I said, honestly, I have no clue. I said, I haven't heard anything. I don't. I haven't heard anything come down through the grapevine, no rumors, no nothing. So I said, that'll be news to me. So unfortunately I think Axial, once it's kind of like done its course, they just kind of, that's it. It rides off into the sunset and that's the end of it. There's no, you know, unless it's like something like obviously like the SCX platform, they're always going to come out with another version of the SCX, but um, we'll see. Maybe they do come out with another six by six. Um, I mean, at this point, though, it's just I'm curious to see, like, you know, and maybe it would be more of a fan feedback. What kind of body would you want to see on the 6x6? Because I personally think they nailed it by going with, like, a Unimog style, like, you know, having something that's military because most 6x6 vehicles are a military vehicle. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I'm not a huge fan of the Unimog, but I have one. That's my Axial Fest build is the UMG-10. Um, just because I, I did Operation 11 Charlie theme on it, saying so, you know, it was like military base, 11 Charlie, you know, it all fit. But yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the Unimog, but I think that was a perfect body for the 6x6. See, and I and I, I can get behind that as well. Like, I'm personally not like somebody who says, I got to go out and buy a Unimog or I got to go, you know, build a Unimog. Like that, I'm kind of the same way. I'm not a big, you know, I guess you'd say, my uh, fan, you know, of saying like, yeah, that's what I want, but I can appreciate and say that, you know, like you said, they nailed it on the head with what they chose to release. Yep. For sure. Okay. Um, next question is comp versus trail days. Which do you prefer? Trail days. Um, it's actually hard to say because I've never been to an actual comp. I mean, we have our little makeshift comps at our local RC club where it's just like everybody runs. We'll put some flags up and everybody will run through the gates. And at the end of it, it's like, okay, how many points did you have? And it's like, oh, I hit that gate. I missed that gate. I touched it. You know, so it's not like keeping track on a piece of paper or having a judge there. So I can't say I don't like a comp, but to me, trailing's just where this hobby's at because it's just relaxing going out with some buddies and shooting the crap and getting away from the house for a little while. Nice. Yeah. I think everybody usually likes to get behind that. I mean, human nature, everybody is somewhat competitive, but I think at the end of the day, you get to go out with your buddies. It's a solid day. Yeah. So if you were to go into a hobby shop tomorrow or to right now, what would your next scale purchase be? Next scale purchase. 
could be a rig, could be parts, whatever. Oh, I well, I just bought the, the straight axles from um, for the 10.3. Does that count? Mm-hmm. I, 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 the Horizon sale, you just had to jump on some of that stuff. So I, <laughs> I just bought that because, believe it or not, I'm going to convert the, the Phoenix to a straight axle. And since Vanquish don't have a straight axle for it yet, it was the cheapest way to go to put a straight axle on the Phoenix. Oh, that's interesting. I'm surprised you didn't go with like one of their, you know, I mean, it won't be vehicle specific, but I'm surprised you didn't just go with one of their straight actual, you know, like variants, whether it be the diamond or the um, rock jock or any of those. To me, they're too beautiful. Like everybody I see that runs Vanquish with the metal axles and they're all scratched up. And it's like, I, I couldn't bring my, if I spent the money, on those axles, I wouldn't be able to bring myself to actually take it outside and play with it. Oh, you, you, you feel like that the first time and then eventually you get over it. I mean, I've my first, I kind of felt the same way. My first set of vanquish axles were hanging down and I was kind of like, Oh, I don't want to beat these up. I mean, I know they're kind of beat up a little bit already, but I don't want to beat these up because you know, they're too nice. And then after a while, you're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, it happens. I'm sure I'll get there eventually, but you know, the ninety-nine dollars for those ten three straight axles, like if you mess those up, it's ninety-nine bucks. Yeah. Well, actually, if you mess up those the housings, it's only like twelve bucks a housing. Right. So. Real easy to solve. <laughs> yeah. And then, last but not least, your favorite hobby shop. My favorite hobby shop has got to be my local hobby shop, i.e. Remote Control. It's the only hobby shop in Wyoming, and it is a half mile from my house. Nice. I know there's going to be some uh, haterade out there because a lot of people have to drive like two hours for a local hobby shop, and you know, mine is a minute drive away. Um, no, that. I mean, some people, yeah, I can see why they'd be like jealous. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, it's awesome that you're able to support your local hobby shop um, or that your hobby, local hobby shop has what you want. Because I've said it numerous times on this show that uh, my local hobby shop, which is my true local hobby shop, didn't really carry everything that I needed. Like that, be- it was my local hobby shop was more of my like last minute, oh crap, I need a servo horn or I need paint or I need, you know, little parts that are kind of universal that you can get across the board. Um, whereas like if I actually wanted something of what I really needed, I would hit up JJ, which still is, would be considered my local hobby shop. He's only down in San Jose, which is roughly a 40 minute drive, you know, from my door. So, um, but yeah, so it's sad to see that, you know, my actual true local hobby shop, um, closed just due to everything that happened in the last couple of years. But, um, it's something I think we've always kind of talked about on the show, support your local hobby shop. I mean, I know it's easy to hop online, order away, but at the end of the day, if you can support, you know, the brick and mortar hobby shops, you're going to be able to keep this hobby more alive because you're going to have those parts available right when you walk in. So, you know, the next guy that comes in, they might be able to see, you know, Oh, look, I've never seen this before. And 
you know, it's because it's being kept popular by, um, you know, just having interest. Yes. I, see, my local hobby shop is probably the opposite because it is a very small mom and pop shop. Um, so it's not a run down there and get a part because you need it right now. It's a go down there with a part number and have them order it for you and have it in a week and a half. Um, so you have to pre-plan with my local hobby shop just because they're so small. I mean, we're in a small town. There's like 30,000 people here. And, you know, 1% of the people here do RC. So it's not a huge hobby store, so they can't carry everything you need. So it's definitely a plan out the stuff you need and then, you know, aiming is your emergency. I need it right now. It's gotcha. a, little, a little backwards for me. Gotcha. Um, so yeah. You have to stop and actually see it. Well, yeah, it was funny. I was going to actually text you that the other day. Um, so with everything that's been going on recently, we actually pull, I don't know if I told you this, we pulled our, trip this summer of going back out to Colorado. So we had everything planned. I mean, that's why I got new tires for my truck. I was like, we're going to go across country. I already got 36,000 miles on these things. I don't want to be, you know, 2000 miles away from home and then something happens. So I'm like, let's, you know, get all this stuff. We're getting everything ready. Then the the insane gas price started (laughs) and we're just like, are you kidding me? And we calculated how much more it would affect our trip. And it just wasn't cost efficient for us. You know, it just, unfortunately, just like that was the nail in the coffin between that. And I mean, being the fact that we were looking at, you know, hotels four months in advance and it was still like, they like the hotels were insane. Like I was, I couldn't believe it. Like, I was like, you know, I don't remember it being that bad. And we went kind of like what I would call a normal-ish time. Like, yeah, um, California was still, you know, on the whole mask mandate and all that stuff. But when we were in Colorado, most of the places didn't care. Utah was pretty much wide open. So, I mean, it was just interesting to just, you know, see how much within like an eight-month span what has already changed. Absolutely. Yeah, so fuel prices are impacting a lot of people I know's travel plans for the summer. Yeah, so unfortunately, we're this summer, we're probably just going to be, you know, we're going to keep it local. Um, we're not really going anywhere too crazy. Um, and yeah, we're just going to have to see what happens. I mean, I'm hoping, you know, like, unfortunately, like everything, like, we all keep talking like, Oh, hopefully it comes down, but it's like, it's getting a little scary because it's like, we saw it ramp up, especially here in California. Like the highest I got to diesel prices was basically $7 and then it's trickled back down, but it's still kind of like, hasn't crested under $6 yet. So we're still seeing that over $6 a gallon. And it's just kind of like ridiculous. It's like, how much longer are we going to sit on this? Like, like, is it ever going to come back down or is this quote unquote, the new norm? That's insane. Like, I think we're at like three fifteen. in Wyoming. Well, well, here's the other thing too. What people also don't realize is we, a dollar 35 of what we pay is a gas tax that everybody voted on. So, 
realistically, if that didn't pass, we'd we'd be still paying a lot of money, but we'd be under six dollars right now. So I don't know. It's Nuts. it's frustrating, but it's the way it is. So, but um, yeah, I mean, I definitely would love to. I know this kind of sounds lame, but I've never really traveled like that before. Um, growing up, I mean, I've been to Utah. I've been to Utah two times before. This would be my third time to Utah. Um, but I've been to Utah two times before. Once to go um, skiing when I was in like fourth grade, and then again when I was in like sixth or seventh grade for my cousin's wedding. And that those were the only two times I ever went to Utah. But it's like we flew there. We didn't drive. Um, did the whole school trip out to the east coast you know eighth grade year and that was the same thing flew out there um everything's always been fly you know been to hawaii once flew out there so everything's on the plane this time we actually drove and got to see everything and you know have that whole on the road experience and, and i think it's pretty cool so you just get to see a lot more absolutely i mean i, I travel a lot for work and put a couple thousand miles a week on my truck that's crazy wow and you know the, the things that i get to see on the company's dime is just amazing I, I couldn't imagine flying everywhere and not being able to see landmarks or run into people that you've talked to on facebook for two years and it's like hey i'm coming through your town next week and then oh cool we'll go crawling here and i'll bring all my buddies and then your facebook friends become even more because now you met all the other people in that area and yeah and honestly that's what to me and i'll 110 percent take full responsibility of this when we stopped in rock springs it wasn't until the day we were leaving i just happened to notice the area code on the door at the starbucks and i'm sitting here going 307 i've seen that somewhere like and then it totally dawned on me as after we're on the road i'm like oh my god i was like that's where scoot that's where scooter scott's from I was like, uh, you got to be kidding me. I felt like crap because I was like, you know, it was one of those, you see it enough and then all of a sudden it triggers and you're like, oh, God. Honestly, you could have stopped in anywhere in Wyoming and had that, like, click because that'll tell you how small our population is in Wyoming. The whole state is 307. Yeah, well, that, that's what it was. It was like I, it, I kept seeing it over and over again, and it was like I was like, wait a second, like I've seen. And then like I think you admit I saw your um, your profile photo pop up on a comment or something, and that's when I was like, that's that's it. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it was super. I mean, we literally were in Wyoming for a night. I think that was it was Wyoming. Wyoming was more of a stop. It wasn't an actual destination, so we didn't get to like stop and do anything, which we did talk on the way back saying that it would be nice to, if we did this again to maybe find something else to go do again, because we stopped in rock Springs for a night at the um, KOA. And then we stopped for lunch the next day in Laramie and then kept going. And then next thing you know, we were in Colorado. Yep. So, so KOA is like, four miles from my house. That's crazy. Yeah. So Laramie's a cool place too. Though. There's, there's a lot of good crawling there. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, and that's the other thing too. And, and I know it was funny. Cause like when, like I get a text or a call from Elio almost daily and he'd be like, so did you, did you take the car out to do this? Did you do this? Did you do that? I'm like, it's funny because it's like being that, yeah, crawling is like my big hobby. I didn't really ever take the car out until we got to Utah because I was so intrigued with like seeing everything and, you know, doing everything else that it was like, that kind of was like my last thing on my mind at the moment. See, I think that's where my luxury is of being by myself and being in a pickup truck and I see something that looks cool and I just pull over, go crawling for 10, 15 minutes and jump back on the truck and take off again. You know, I'm, I'm not in a motor home and have the whole family with me and <laughs> make it inconvenience for everybody else so that I can play in the rocks for a few minutes. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I it, it'd be nice to like be able to say, hey, you know, that looks cool. Let's go pull over. But sometimes when you got, you know, the lady with you, they don't always want to, you know, do that. There's sometimes they're good sports and, you know, they'll be like, hey, what about this? Or, oh, did you want to take this out and check this out? But other times they're like, yeah. Yeah. Mine's on the, yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> That's pretty much what I get most of the time too, but yeah. She is pro drone though. Like if she sees something cool and it's like, do you have the drone with you? Why don't you launch it and get some pictures? Now see, that's cool because, um, I, I think I said it the last time we were on when I was talking, I actually, I think I was, or was it after I was picking Travis's brain about drones and I was like, I'd like to get into it, but it's just like, I don't know. It's like one of those, I'm like scared that, okay, do I invest all this money and will I actually use it? Or will it become something that, like, okay, I did it, like, once or twice and ends up on the shelf? Yeah. I, I think it's hit or miss. Like, mine will go months without being, and then it'll go, I'll, I'll use it every day. And then it'll go months. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things where part part of it is a commitment on your part to use it, regardless of what kind you get or build or whatever, like, because it's still a little hard to just recognize, like, oh, this would be great to pull the drone out here. Like, now you kind of have to, you kind of have to initiate that yourself. So, you know, it doesn't just click. So, yeah, that's always the yeah. hard part. And then pre-planning, like, I have a Mavic Pro too. Yeah. And like, it seems like every time I pull it out, if even if I had it out today and I bring it back out tomorrow afternoon, it's gonna have an update, and it's gonna be twenty minutes to update it before I can even fly. Right. Right. You know, and then knowing the local area rules, like we just went up to Bear Lake, Utah, a couple of weeks ago to scout out where my mother in law is going to get um, married. Mm-hmm. And there's like no flying anywhere around the lake. You have to be like 100 yards away from the lake to even think about launching one. And then they still look at you weird. <laughs> you know, yeah. so knowing where you can and can't fly it, even though the DGI app says that, yeah, it's a flight zone. It might not be a flight zone because the town itself might have a restriction on it. Yeah. I've heard a lot about that. That that seems to be like super hit and miss. And I guess there seems to be a workaround around like, uh, I think, um, Ty at Tekin was saying something about this. I think he also has a Mavic, uh, Mavic or two. And he think, I think he was saying something about how, um, he, there's something maybe implicating something here, but, um, the, I think there's some sort of workaround where if you're in a flight zone or something, you can kind of like disable whatever its little blocker is. But I know sometimes like way oversensitive or something like that. Yeah, it, it pops up and ask because our RC park 
according to DGI, is in a flight zone, and it's nowhere near anywhere. Right. Flight. But it'll pop up and say, this is a flight zone. Do you want to take the risk? And you actually have to click the button on the remote saying, yes, I, I accept the risk yeah. to fly here. Well, you know, too, they're not putting all that much work into getting the accuracy, I suppose, of that down. They're just, it's the it's the legal disclaimer, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I guess you just risk your, your $5 license. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a, yeah, no, it's it's weird. It, that's the hard part with drones. Like the ones that I fly for work are like, uh, I mean, it, the I mean the wingspan is probably end to end. I want to say it's something like five feet or something like that. And I always worry that I'm like, man, like is someone like these things? I mean, because they're not super loud, but they're not quiet either. I was like, man, it's like is this gonna like <laughs> piss somebody off in the area? You know, like is someone gonna complain about this? Like. Yeah. You just never know when like people still seem kind of uneasy around it, but I feel like it's getting better. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine how much noise those style drones make. I mean, the pros are kind of noisy, but like you get anything over like 120 foot and you don't even notice it's there anymore. Right, yeah. So, do you guys want to start diving into some of these questions? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see. So you got it, or you? Yeah. Yeah, I got it here. Um, yeah. Well, I can kick off with a good one. So uh, I mean, we kind of talked about it, I guess. Um, but uh, the first one was from Eric Warren. He said, um, "I'd like to know how Scooter Scott got into the scale box making business." It, it started more with stickers, but um, I was starting to get into scale, and I wanted some accessories. And there's, if you know where to look and you want to search around enough, there's probably 40 or 50 scale boxes on the internet to download and print yourself. Um, so I started with those and a bunch of buddies locally are like, oh, those are cool. Can you do this or can you do this or can you do that? So I was like, I think so. And so I upgraded my phone so I could get better pictures of boxes and then piece them together myself. And then um, Patrick McCarthy from uh, Max Prince and Designs got a hold of me and like helped me drastically on how to edit and make them look better and make them easier for me to fold. And it just kind of snowballed, like you know, somebody seen it on Facebook and then they had to have it, and then this guy had to have it, and before you know it, I have just over 300 scale boxes, which it's a lot of time collecting art and yeah. all the pictures that have been posted from everybody. And like, I've actually got good contacts at most of the companies now where they just send me the art. I don't even have to try to find it myself. Oh, They're nice. like, they, you're promoting stuff for us. Here's the art. That's cool. Okay. So it's, the longer I've been doing it, the easier it gets. But there's always the good side of the coin of, you know, like everybody's got to have them. But you're paying five bucks for essentially cardstock, and some people get a little upset about that. That's so strange to me. Yeah. But, 
No, that's awesome though. I mean, I was wondering, I was wondering about that a little bit, like with the the artwork and and obtaining that because you know you would think that yeah you would you would think it'd be kind of like how some of them would, would describe brewers like okay well they since you're kind of promoting things for them they'd be more willing. Um, but I've also like in past instances kind of thinking like that. And sometimes like it's, you know, they won't for whatever reason. I've, I've never, it's always hard to predict like who's going to be easy to work with, who won't be kind of thing. Yeah. We all know the ones that are hard to work with and, um, it, like element has been awesome, but I mean, they, they post all their boxes on their website. Right. Um, the way they post their boxes are incredibly tough to fold. I've <laughs> I've redesigned all their scale boxes to make them significantly easier to fold and assemble. Um, Red Cat has a bunch, but they've been absolutely awesome too about artwork. Axial's got a bunch. I mean, they're out there. You just got to look. If you don't want one of the 300 I have, there's 40 of them out there. (laughs) A matter of finding them having a decent printer to print them, having good paper to print them on, and then being able to fold something that's small. And that's that's one of the things where I, I refuse to send flat stock to anybody and let them fold it themselves because I have found most people can't fold them and assemble them, and then they have a subpar box sitting in their scale garage. And then someone's like, Oh, where'd you get that? So to me, it's a, a bad reflection on me when someone doesn't assemble them correctly. So I just, I don't do it anymore. Like if you want one of my scale boxes, it's going to come assembled. Gotcha. Oh, that's cool. Let's see. So, um, Jeremy Kim said, I'm just happy you guys are doing the podcast. Keep up the great job. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, Thank you. Paul Shulman asks, are you guys making it out to Dead Man's Crawl? Um, I will be there. Jay will be there. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. I, I won't be making it. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go, Paul. Yeah, I think we're planning the flight. We're probably going to book tickets tonight or tomorrow to actually probably tomorrow to get the trip all sorted out down there. Let's see. Um, yeah, Stitch SK Hobbies said, my question is, why did it take so long to get him on the show? We were talking about that before we started recording. Yeah, it's you know, long overdue, but finally making it happen. Um. And then, <laughs> don't know. I don't know if this was a joke or not. But Philip Leonard asks, "I would like to know who Scooter Scott is." I'm just a little guy. You'd be surprised how many people don't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, hopefully, hopefully Philip people knows people now. Know more, more people know me as 307 Scoot because I was on Instagram a lot longer than I've been on Facebook. Um, Facebook came around because of the RC Club. Ah, I see. Um, as Adam probably tell you, I, I have an addictive personality. So when I get involved in something, I get involved in something. <laughs> um, so I ended up being the person that was always making the flyers and taking the pictures and posting or getting videos and then send them to the guy that was doing promotions. 
Right. And they're finally like, you just need to get on Facebook and become part of the club's Facebook page and do this stuff yourself. Which then snowballed out from taking pictures and videos of what's going on at the club to being vice president of the club. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, well, I have a question that I think would kind of piggyback off of, because I don't know, we still don't know if um, it was Philip Leonard, right? Yeah. His question was serious or not. But um, to get a little more background, because I know we haven't really – I think you've mentioned it a couple times, but we haven't really dove into it. But also, you are a a big part of Operation 11. um, And I kind of want to know, how did you get involved with that? And like, where did the, where did that start? Like, how did you get, you know, involved, you know, essentially with, you know, Javier? I, I met Javier on Instagram when it was just 11 Charlie RC before operation 11 Charlie was even an organization. Um, and then I, I reached out to him again and got involved when he was doing the first, um, back then they were called giveaways. Now they're induction ceremonies. Um, but when he was doing the first giveaway three years ago, two and a half years ago, give or take. And I, just started making scale license plates at the time. And so I was like, Hey, do you want some scale license plates to personalize this? And he's like, yeah, for sure. And then we got back in touch and realized we were both military, same backgrounds, the post-traumatic stress. That's why we got in the hobby. And it was, that was helping us with our post-traumatic stress. And it all just like snowballed from there. And, you know, now I'm one of the board members on operation 11, Charlie, which, you know, it's, I'm just a small portion of what happens there. There's, you might see me every Monday night on the show. You might see me posting stuff, but like, I'm just a minute part of what happens at Operation Eleven, Charlie. Um, it's the followers and the viewers that are the big part of Operation Eleven, Charlie. Yeah, I remember. Um, you know when. Javier first started and, you know, started gaining some traction. And, uh, at the time I had just met Alan, um, who goes by Ridgeline. And, uh, I, you know, I was like, you know, these two would probably be perfect because they're kind of like in the same boat right now. And I said, I think they'd be able to like, you know, bounce ideas off each other. And, um, yeah. And then I also remember just telling Javier, like, dude, just, baby steps and you'll blow up and look where he's at now. USTE is what opened the doors for operation 11, Charlie Link. Um, last year was the first time that operation 11, Charlie attended USTE as an organization. And that was when the floodgates really opened. I mean, originally Javier's goal was to do um, two giveaways a year where, you know, probably somewhere in the two hundreds now in the two and a half years it has been an organization. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's all support. Like you guys have done as Adam Dean yourself, as two chains, as Dean's designs, as SOR graphics. I mean, just the sponsorship 
from you guys is a big part, but then, you know, individual viewers that donate and then people like JJ has been huge for Operation 11 Charlie since day one. I mean, it's just, you can go on and on and on about how many people back it and jumped on and made it is what it is today. Yeah, and it's, and to me, that kind of shows you what the, how cool the, I guess you could say the overall RC community is, because it's like, like you said, JJ is a big supporter. JJ's in San Jose, California. Javier's based out of Florida. Yep. Like, they're world, well, they're on opposite sides of the country, and, you know, they're all getting together to, for the same cause. So mm-hmm. I think it's awesome. So, um, I feel bad because I'll be honest, like the last couple of times I've hit up, you know, Javier, like, Hey, do you need anything? And he's like, Oh, I think we've got everything covered. It's like, I, I want to contribute, but he seems like to have everything under control for the most part. So I go, oh, I kind of feel bad. Um, don't feel bad. Um, it's just, it's, it's amazing the support that we have. I mean, and, when Horizon came on as a sponsor is when re- things really changed. Because um, I think that's when everybody else started noticing us. Because somebody as big as Horizon back in Operation 11, Charlie, was like a big eye-opener for everybody else. Like, okay, this organization's got to be real. And they got to be legit if Horizon's back in. Yeah. And we saw that with um, Axio Fest Badlands last year and... Uh, West Coast. Yep. So that was awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, that was one thing I wanted to hear because I mean, I myself, you know, as much as we talk, I don't even know the whole story behind, you know, how you got started. So that was just catching the right people. I mean, it, it's amazing how small the RC community really is. Like. It's huge, but it's small all at the same time. Because, like, I said, I met Javier when I was on on Instagram, and I had twenty followers at the time. You know, it was the chances of two people like minded, same backgrounds, same disabilities from the military, you know, running into each other that fast into the RC career. Because he hasn't been in the the RC much longer than I have. I mean, he's three, four years in as well. No, I know. And that's what's kind of cool. So, I mean, it's it's a great tool because I think we've advocated this on, you know, the show numerous times. But, you know, RC can be a tool for so many different things. It could be a bonding tool that brings people together. It could be a bonding tool that brings your family together. You know, like you tell your, you know, your kids, hey, you're going to unplug. We're going to go out. We're going to do this. We're going to spend time together. It can be something like that for you know, our servicemen and women that battle with stuff like PTSD and they're able to focus on something and still get that camaraderie and stuff that they're missing, you know, once they become, you know, once they're out of the military life. So, I mean, it's, it's an overall tool that everybody can have at their disposal for whatever reason they need it to be. Yep. So no, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, my other, I guess, question is now, I think some of the, you know, listeners will obviously know that you do a lot of crawling. 
but I also know you do the dirt oval stuff. How did that all go about? Like, how did you start in that? It was just being at the park and seeing everybody else do it. And it's like, you know, everybody's doing oval on Friday nights. No one's crawling on Friday nights. This looks like fun. And you can get into it fairly cheap. Like, you know, I, I bought a slash, you know, so 250 bucks and you throw a dirt oval body on it for 50 bucks and you're racing and you can get slash parts anywhere. So if you break it, you're back up and running in 10 minutes. Um, I only ran that slash for the first year. Um, I didn't like that class. Um, it was actually a little too fast for me. Um, so I dropped down to buggy. So I run 17.5, which sounds like it would be slow, but it's still a fast class. Um, I just, I, I love building them and the scale look of them. Like if, if you look at all my oval cars, like most people just slap a single color on it and throw a number on it and call it good. Like I try to scale out my oval cars as well. <laughs> so it's, it's another scale aspect for me, but then it's just something that I can plan on doing every Friday night during the summer. Something to get me out of the house, something to, Go out and have fun instead of sitting in the house moping around. Nice. Yeah, I, I got some buddies that have been trying to get me into oval. They're like, dude, you got to get into it. And I'm just like, I don't know. I said, I've never been a big racer. Like, that's never really been, you know, my thing. You know, like, I don't know. So, um, but I know a lot of people get into it. That the dirt ovals, you know. Um. You want to say it's easy because it's straight left, straight left, straight left. Um, yeah. We, we have an A-scale off-road track at our park, too, and I, I just uh, I commend Jay and Travis for all the racing that they've ever done. But you know, I, I probably got 40 or 50 laps on that track, and I, I just can't do it. <laughs> I, I, I can't. It's like I don't know if it's the lose orientation when it gets so far out or what it is, but I, I, I can't do it. That's fair. So, I mean, I think, I think I've, what I've kind of figured out is I think if you kind of figure out one bit of RC, you figure out most of it, but like, there's definitely some that just, it just takes different lengths of time. Like I got to like, I was able to do the cars fairly quickly, but I'm a little bit of a slow learner for aerial, you know, cause I have that same exact problem. But I mean, like, like coming back to the oval thing too, like that, that's, I mean, people do not give that enough credit that RC dirt oval is not easy. I mean, especially the guys that are doing like sprints and stuff. That's, that's some work. Yeah. I think our sprint cars on our oval are averaging like 27 mile an hour on the straights. Yes. That's pretty good. Which, which is flying. I mean, if you're a marshal on one of the straights, you can feel the wind coming off from them when they go by you they're, they're moving and then to be able to slow down and get into the corner and not wreck mm-hmm. yeah the sprint cars the open class modifieds uh, they're crazy fast and it, i mean it's close to you like the back stretch is 50 foot away from you so it's not a visual like depth perception of where am i which way do i got to turn yeah because it's always a left turn, but um, yeah, I, I can't do the fast ones. Like seventeen five is borderline too fast for me. 
but it, it's a lot of fun. Like, and no one around here is huge competitive. Like, all the people I race with are all the guys I crawl with. Rad. Are all the guys that we go bash with, you know? So we're all friends and we're all RCing together. It's just another way for us to RC on Friday nights during the summer and help make money for the club. Well, that's awesome. You guys are one of the one of the like clubs too that has it like a lot. You have a lot of like same like demographic crossover, which is something I don't see a lot of. Like a lot of the like a lot of the clubs that I've like been kind of part of or seen. Um, like on Facebook and stuff like that have, you know, their like crawler group and then they have their racing group and then they have, you know, like they, they, they're all still kind of divided and not a lot of people do a lot of the other thing, but it's interesting to hear that you guys just, you know, you guys really are just like an RC club, like just do a bit of everything. Yeah. That's cool. And, and and we're lucky. Like we have everything in our park. We have a sand drag rip that's crawling. We got a rock race, um, U four track. We got the oval track. We got the off road track. We got the basher ramps. I mean, there's everything in our RC park. So I mean, even if you weren't into one or the other, there's there's something there for you. Yeah. And I mean, we, we get a killer deal. Like our city charges us ten bucks to rent the baseball field for every year. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's it's a great deal. Yeah, that's killer. Yeah. And it's city property, so they pay all the water, they pay all the electricity. Yeah, so, that's 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 a pretty sweet setup. Yeah. Very cool. And they, and they support us like every time we have a race or we have a schedule, they post it all over the city stuff, so like they're 100% behind us, which I hear a lot of times cities aren't behind. Yeah. The club. Especially when anything nitro is involved. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's that's pretty much a universal struggle is uh, getting get one get another. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to get the city on board, and then it's a complete other thing to keep them happy. Yeah. Yeah, and it it always yeah that's always like a seems to be a talking point for a lot of people every year is, is if they're on if they're doing it on the the public land. Um. But I mean, I, you know, not like there's a lot of choices out there either. So, you know, people find a way to make it work. I, I, we're doing something right because we've been on this piece of property for 15 years. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. That's really cool. Again, I'm fortunate, you know, it's a couple miles from my house to the RC park. You know, a lot of people get jealous about that. But, you know, I have an RC park and a hobby shop. All within a few minutes of my house. That's cool. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm definitely envious of that. I think I've never been closer than about a half hour to any. <laughs> and it's it's. I mean that's a that's a very good day if I was that close. Yeah, for me it's always like I don't know. It's funny because when people find out, you know, that I'm from the Bay area, it's like, they're like, well, where do you crawl out there? Cause I mean, it's true. Like there really isn't a lot to do here. Like if you know the, the local spots, then you know the local spots, but um, there's really not a lot. That's why I'm fortunate, you know, between Michelle's parents and my parents, both having a, you know, like my parents have a cabin um, two and a half uh, mile, two and a half mile hours, um, towards uh yosemite like up in that direction up in twain um the stanislaus 
national forest, there's a ton of, you know, you go out wherever and you can go crawling. Then same thing with Michelle's parents. They got a place up in Auburn. So now you're up in the Tahoe national forest. So you got all kinds of stuff. So it's like when you're up there, you you got all the places and like, you know, that you or terrain that you could possibly want to crawl when you're down here. Unfortunately, most of the best stuff is at the coast, but then you got to be pretty brave to want, you know, or know what you're dealing with because, you know, salt and these parts, salt water don't really mix well. Yeah, I imagine people in that area go through bearings quite frequently. Well, when you go through a lot of salt water crossings, yes, because like I know um, like the last time I think I actually crawled, which is sad, but the last time I crawled out at um the coast was for the norcal hobbies it was i think it was like the beginning of 2020 to be honest and um kind of right before everything went crazy and i mean there were people that were like they go through the tide pools and we kind of laughed because we're like you clearly have never driven out at the coast before because that's not the same as going through the freshwater streams you see, you know, like at Axial Fest, you know. So it's like uh, <laughs> you better uh, take that rig apart when you get home. And then you wouldn't believe how many people like later on are like, oh, I couldn't believe I took my rig apart to do something. And oh, my bearings were completely rusted. And I was like, well, you did go through nasty ass salt water and you didn't do anything. Yeah, I, I, I avoid water at all costs. Like one of the reasons yeah. I vent tires so i have an excuse not to go in the water <laughs> eh, even with vented tires i still are yeah i still go through water I, I really don't care water doesn't really scare me because what a lot of people don't realize is you gotta like if you go through water you just gotta make sure you dry the rig off um and it doesn't really matter for me like what time of the season it is i always try to make it a point to get it completely dried off like so like if we go and it's kind of like a rainy or wet time of the season i'll bring it inside and i'll have it sitting right next to the fire or heater and you know just that way so it's getting out of you know moisture is getting heated it's getting heated up dried out it's you're getting a lot of that moisture to go away uh summertime kind of the same thing it's so freaking hot outside just go set it outside with the body off and you know, and within two hours, the thing's completely dry. So, um, maintenance is key. Um, yeah. I don't know. So I know there's some people that like hate water and they're like, I won't even like go through it, but it's not the water that scares me. Like water here equals mud. I, I don't like, I, I mean, I do maintenance a lot, probably more than most people, but I don't want to deal with a, a muddy truck. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. Like, it just, that's too much work. I, I got other things to do. I could be building a different truck versus spending four hours trying to clean mud out of a truck. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I just, I built that animalistic um, wraith-based mud truck two years ago. It has seen my front yard once or twice. I finally just got rid of it, like, a month ago. <laughs> And everybody's like, you got a mud truck, why don't you go? And I'm like, because I want to clean mud. It was a fun build. You know, and I, I think, you know, the more I look at myself, I'm more of a builder than, than well, a lot. But building is where I enjoy the hobby. Yeah, there's 
there's some people like like myself i'm kind of the same way like i started out like the builds were always like more of where like my passion always was so it's, it was like funny because like the first couple like get togethers i went to it's like i was like i i'm not used to actually going out and running with people i'm used to like building it and like enjoying the build process mm-hmm. so it's like there's there's there were a couple events that i went out to i actually didn't really run the car it was more i just talked with people because it was like it was kind of cool to just be able to talk about you know what you did and also the funny thing back like i said especially at the very beginning for me there was no Facebook, you know, I mean, Facebook existed, but it wasn't like it is now where everybody's on there with all the different groups. It was like you were on the forums or you were in person talking about it. You know, I miss the forums. Like Facebook killed forums before I got into the hobby. Yeah. I kind of wish I would have been around in the forum days. But yet again, you know, I hear all the time from the old timers around here that I haven't made because, you know, when they got in the hobby, they had to make their own batteries and solder connections and this, that, and the other thing. And now we just charge a battery for 30 minutes and throw it in and go crawling for five hours. (laughs) So, like, sometimes I wish I would have been in that era of RC. And then other days it's like, yeah, I'm kind of glad I wasn't in that era of RC. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I, I think I'm a builder. Like, if there was a camera on right now, you'd see there's three vanquishes behind me, half built, and three oval parts half built. <laughs> yeah, if uh, if people saw like all my half finished projects, they'd be like, "What the heck is wrong with you?" It's like. I don't know, like being a, like when you are a builder, you end up getting into this like funk of like, where like you'll be in the middle of something and you're like, Oh, that'd be really cool to build this. And you kind of just push that off to the side and yeah. you start on that. And then you go, Oh, I missed this. And you start pulling that one back and you realize that one's not the next, thing you know, you're like four cars deep and not one's done. Yep. Yep. That's where I'm at right now. I mean, look at my six by six it took me a year and a half to build the six by six. And I bet six months of it was picking out wheels and tires. <laughs> yeah no it's I, my projects are kind of in the same state right now i think i only have half of them functional all part way taken apart or not even fully built yet i can drive them. they all have servos in them they all have motors in them they all have speed controls just none of them have bodies and they're I think I build nice trucks. I mean, the ones that I took the USTE this year, I thought were really nice until I got there. And then I, you know, I felt like I was just showing up with a ready to run. So all these trucks are like mega builds, you know, hard body, full out, complete, you know, so they're, they're my first hard body builds and I'm doing three at once instead of one. Again, addictive personality, like, I seen three bodies I had to have, so it's like, oh, I guess I'm going to do three builds instead of one. But trying to do three hard body builds at the same time, it's not fun. Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I hear that. It's like uh, I don't know. I still have my like quote unquote whatever you want to call it, my class two rig that I'm still, you know, there's still just like a handful of parts I'm waiting on or waiting to find and or get, and then that thing's ready to go. 
my one-to-one replica of the 94, that thing is just, that thing's dead in the water because I can't make up my mind on axles. And because I'm going leaf sprung, it's like, that's kind of a big deal because I need the axles to mount the leaf so I can mount the axles underneath the truck. So that, cause it's not like, like a lot of people don't realize like with links, you know, if you're trying to, you know, you're, you're putting it on whatever. And like, let's say the wheelbase is, you know, 12 and a half, you can kind of set it wherever you want for like mock-up. And then you can always shorten the links whenever or lengthen them or put longer rod ends, whatever. And you can dial in that wheelbase with the leaf springs. It's like, once it's mounted, it's there. Like there's no fine adjustment. No, you got to have it. So I don't know. So that's my hardest part right now, but, um, my buddy's son is supposed to be helping me make some, I guess you could say one-off or custom axles for it. Um, I'm giving him the, you know, basically I'm giving him free range to try if he can do it. Cool. If not, I think my backup is I'm going to try and figure out how to get those axial straight axles to work for the 10, three. Is the offset pumpkin a necessary evil for this yeah. build? For me, only yeah. because I'm trying to keep the scale right there. Yeah. So if I didn't care about scale, I could just put a straight, I could put a centered diff there. Oh, no, SSD makes a good offset. Yeah. So he actually, so my buddy's son actually has the SSD offset. Um, and he actually got the, so he got the, Pro 44, which actually comes as a straight or centered diff, then he bought the offset tubes to make it offset. But the thing is, even though it's still offset, it's not like it's not like super offset. Like it's not like super noticeable until you like kind of like like if you quickly glimpse over the car, you might not catch it. But if you stare at it long enough, you'd realize it. Whereas if you look at the axial one, it's really offset. So. They're on sale for another two days. Oh, I have them. <laughs> but they're on the Jeep. No, those are the um, the ones that are on the Jeep are the SSD. Uh, oh yeah, you got them. You did that before the straight axles was a thing. Oh yeah, but what are those? Those are the Pro. No, the the uh, Trail King. The ones that were on the Trail King, the Pro Forty Fours. I guess you could say. I think, or did I just say that was what the other ones were? I don't know. It's the diamond ones. Those ones I put on before the straight axle because I'm not a portals fan. Um, that's just not my thing except for a performance built rig. Um, that's what I'll throw it underneath there. So I did that, that rig actually I'm, I've been on the fence about swapping out the body because if anybody knows me, I'm a huge Chevy bow tie guy. Like GM is my favorite brand. I, just love I've always loved the body styles of those trucks uh, it's what I personally drive it's what I've personally owned so a lot of my builds at the beginning were all Chevy base you know whether it was a K5 or a K10 or you know a Silverado or whatever it was always Chevy based well then all of a sudden Michelle got her Jeep and I fell into this like Jeep rut and like I started building all these Jeeps because like we were you know dealing with her Jeep so it was kind of like one of those okay well I'll just kind of, you know, quote unquote, fantasize about building Jeeps through RC because I'm not going to be doing it, you know, in real life. So now I'm kind of like, do I get rid of the JL body and go to something more back to my roots of a Chevy 
And I don't know. I've been kicking that one around lately. Yeah. So that would be another, that would be another build that probably ends up started and then doesn't get finished for a while. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. I, I've never built a Jeep. Um, there's, there's too many people do it. So I, I, I don't do it. I, I, I try to find oddball bodies. I, I have an act for finding discontinued bodies that nobody wants. <laughs> and then kicking myself in the head trying to find one just to find it buried in my local hobby shop. <laughs> like the Chevy Honcho body that... I had you looking all over California for. Yep. And then I found it buried in the back room at my local hobby shop. Yeah, that was pretty funny because, I mean, sometimes you you get lucky. Like, that was one thing I loved about my local hobby shop is I was able to find bodies because that's because they were so small. That's what they used to do. They used to take, like, they'd have them all clipped onto this, like, clothesline that was, like, running across, you know, part of the – um, store and I think like every week they would pull a couple down, go put them in the back, pull a couple and like so if you'd go in you'd start seeing different ones all the time. And I remember going in one time and I saw oh what did I run into? I found something one time and somebody even commented they're like where the heck did you find that body? I've you know I didn't even know you could still get that and I said oh my local hobby shop has it you know like I just walked in and boom there it was. Yeah, the the one I just acquired. And like I said, I've been in there digging through bodies for years, you know, for two years now. And one of my buddies just stumbled on one of the axial power wagon bodies buried in the back room. Those have been discontinued for, what, three years? Yep. They were discontinued before I was even in the hobby. And I've dug through their stuff and dug through their stuff, and I've never found it. And he, he found it a couple weeks ago, and I convinced him to sell it to me. I don't know what I'll ever do with it, but I like having bodies that nobody else does. So when you go out trailing, it's not like, oh, there's four Jeeps. Oh, there's, you know, four trail runners. <laughs> I, I, I like being different, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I get it. That's kind of what started my whole thing with the RC, like, you know, going with the Chevy bodies and all that stuff at the beginning um, was also because, like you said, at the very beginning of all this, there was only a handful of rigs. Like you either got, you know, you got the Axial Dingo or you got the SCX-10 with the Jeep body or you got the Trail Honcho. So there really was like those were the three bodies you would see at a get together. And it's like everybody had you know, the same ones. Well, then Proline came out with like the Ford cab for the trail honcho. And then I think they came out with another, with their Jeep. And it's like, those were like what I called like the direct bolt on, bolt on, I guess you could say like they would fit the wheelbase. Like you didn't have to mess with anything. So I took some of the monster truck bodies and I made those work. So that way I would have something different. So my truck would be different from everybody else's. Now, Proline just they'll, they'll make crawler bodies, so. Yeah. I mean, that was half the reason I put the IFS on the six by six T was to be different. Like, I didn't want my six by six to be like everybody else's. Yeah, but that's cool. I mean, that's that. It's, I mean, it's different because you know if you think about it, it's like 
I kind of thought of the same thing. Like, you know, when Jay started messing with the Sen, you know, and got the 450, I was like, oh, that'd be so cool to do a Chevy version of something like that just because it's different, you know? But it's probably one of those, I'll talk about it, never do it. Yeah, I, I've wanted a Sen since it came out, and I don't know if I'll ever pull the trigger, but. I, I think they need to come up with something other than Ford body for me to pull the trigger. <laughs> I just don't know if they if they will. Uh, knowing the craze right now, I'm surprised they went with Ford and they didn't go with with Dodge or excuse me Ram. Right. So you know, because I mean, that's being being in the in the truck like the the truck world, um, which is like my other hobby. I don't know what it is. Everybody is like team ram it's like huh you kidding me yeah i don't know like i thought i got that ram body you know the gen one power wagon 2500 body and i had to have it because you know it was different but i don't know if i'll ever run it because i'm not a dodge fan either yeah It'll probably set me in the bag in my closet forever. <laughs> Somebody will hear this podcast six months from now and message me and offer me something stupid for it. And... Well, hey, if I guess if you can get it, you can get it because, I don't know, I went through that phase recently. You know, I felt guilty. Like, that's why I sold my uh, the hard body build that you saw um, at uh, UTSE. Like, I was like, or USTE, I was like, you know, I, it's sitting here and I feel bad because it's like, I'll probably never run it again. And it's just sitting here rotting away. And I don't want to see it like that. I like to see somebody else enjoy it. Cause you know, I'll be honest, I've gotten some decent, you know, feedback on that rig. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put it up for sale. We'll see what I get. Couldn't have went to a better person either because he's he's ran it all over the country now. Well, but what's what cracks me up about that was it was just so out of the blue. Like he just like messaged me, yeah, I'll take the rig. And I'm like, Are you serious? You don't have like any other questions? And he's like, No, I want it. It's a fair price. And I'm like, Sold? Yeah. Yeah, it made it made its way to Florida real fast. <laughs> so it was a few weeks. Yeah. So, and, and it's still, and, and honestly, it's kind of like a humbling slash like mind blowing, like, like thought, like when you're sitting here, like I never expected him to really do anything with it other than I guess he wanted to run it and to like see it on YouTube and go, holy crap, that used to sit on my shelf. Like I've driven that thing. That thing's been to like four axial fest. That thing's been here. That's been there. It's like. Now I get to see it on YouTube in somebody else's possession. That's just kind of mind blowing. Yeah, but it's cool. So, but um, I guess there's one other thing I kind of want to touch base on. And I mean, I don't want it to turn into like a total like negative fest, but it has to do with axial fest because uh, I don't know, you know, if the listeners have noticed because like we haven't really been on, you know, lately. So, or releasing you know, back to back to back to back, um, episodes. So I don't think we've really talked about it, but Axial Fest West coast is happening. Um, it is not a Donner, um, for, from my understanding, 
the main reason is Axial slash Horizon's contacts are no longer there. So Donner was, I think, up for sale or is up for sale, or I don't know. But so for whatever reason, it's no longer there. Um, And it's at this place called Rob's Resort, which is up by Rubicon. So a little farther up the mountain. Um, But, you know, I've noticed that ever since they announced that it was happening, they announced the prices, tickets went on sale. It's been a lot of, like per usual, the negative you know, attack or feedback, you know, Oh, why isn't it Cisco? Oh, why does it cost so much? Oh, why did you pick there? There's nothing to crawl. It's like always like something it's like, and I don't know if it's like, is this the new thing? Because it's like, it's not where it started out at that everybody fell in love with that. They have to say something negative or is it like, just because it's like a trend to be negative about it like i just can't figure it out you know because like with proline by the fire you know they they announced you know their event you know and and everything and then they announced their theme and like there really is never ever like any negative you know feedback when realistically i almost feel like okay if axial did the same thing and they picked a theme that nobody liked that would be the thing everybody's complaining about but it seems like every other event can go on but for some reason axial fest west seems to just rile everybody up and i just can't figure it out oh i agree (laughs) there's there's something there yeah i don't know and i it, it just makes no sense. Like, you know, and I get it, you know, being that I've been to, I think eight Axial Fests. Um, I, the only year since 2014 that I missed was 2020. Cause there was no Axial Fest. So I've been to all the ones that finished out at Cisco Grove. I've been at the two that have been at Donner and you know, yeah, Cisco's got a much better camping atmosphere, vibe, amenities, all that stuff. But the trails, in my opinion, were kind of played out. They were they were the same trails over and over again. You just move some of the gates around or you just switch directions or whatever. And it's like, you know, Donner had, I think, more versatile, you know, terrain. So, like, you could actually break it all up and you're, like, going to, like, all these different styles of, you know, train. Yeah, the camping, you know, was sacrificed, you know. But, you know, if you still went, you could still go have a good time. Now, it's like, it's like that's, like, the one thing a lot of people complain about. Oh, the camping's not the same. Yes, we get it. But at the same time, they have no control. Like, it's... As far as like, you know, with whatever situation's going on with Cisco Grove, since they've sold, that's been a whole cluster, you know, F of its own mess. So it's like you can't hold that over them. You know, they're still trying to give you something. Like, why can't you just take it for what it is? Yeah, it, it don't make much sense. I mean, like, UST had limited camping, Badlands has limited camping. I don't know what the camping situation is for ProLine, but, I mean, it seems like everywhere else has limited campings. I don't know why everybody gets 
an uproar about that. Wound up over it, yeah. Like people just—I don't know. It's it changed. I change is just a negative thing for people, and I don't understand it because it's entirely approach. You know, like, it, and I feel like it's just one of those things, and and, and it's it's I. I take this for granted, but people really cannot like do the critical thinking of, you know, if they're complaining about something like the camping situation, it's not like that. They just made an arbitrary choice to make it worse. You know, like things played out in a way that led to that. And then based off your feedback, they're not going to be like, Oh my God, we got to redo all this. You know, like chances are they thought about that. They've ran, you know, one or two or 10 of these, so yeah, but I mean, I but people never get into that train of thought. They're just like, well, well, I don't like it. That's it. Well, unfortunately, most of the people that are complaining about it, a, they aren't even going to go to the event. Yeah. Or B, what went camping anyway? <laughs> right. So uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. So I just had to kind of like rant and like bring it up a little bit because like for the past couple of days, I've seen some like really negative posts on Facebook and it's kind of like, why? Like, yeah. does that really change anything? Like, okay, you got on your soapbox, you ranted for a little bit. Cool. Did it change anything? The people that still want to go and have a good time and support are going to go. So I don't know, but like, that's my whole other rant of why I think, you know, um, social media could be also be a really negative, you know, um, product, you know, or device in our society. Um, I get what the whole actual, you know, meaning behind why they wanted to have all this stuff to connect with people, but at the same time, they can easily take that to be their, you know, soapbox. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The mentality of I can't keep scrolling. I have to stop and say something. Yep. Yeah. So, but anywho, get that out of the way. But yeah, so anybody that's listening that didn't know knows now. Axel Fest is happening. Um, I believe it's the third weekend of July. I'm going to pull it up right now. Just 21st, 22nd, 23rd. I know because the 23rd is my birthday. So if there's any listeners that want to pay my way for my birthday, it'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you heard the present man we're gonna have to find a way to get scooter scott out to california 11 charlie will be there though i i might not be there but 11 charlie will be there so at least stop by the 11 charlie booth oh of course um but yeah uh, was I think we're roughly at about an hour and a half. Is there, you know, anything else you guys want to touch, you know, base on or? I just like to thank you guys for having me. It's humbling to be on, to ask to be on the show. It's uh, it's different being on this side of the show. It might be the only episode I don't listen to. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask you that when you were talking about, oh, now I don't have to talk to the invisible person in the car with me. But yeah. I was going to say, so are you going to actually listen to this to hear yourself when like it comes out, or you're kind of like, I already lived that. We're not. Gonna, I'm not going to listen to it. You know, I, I probably won't because I, I don't even rewatch the Eleven Charlie shows because 
I think everybody thinks this of themselves, but like when you hear yourself back, you think you sound weird or goofy or. Yep. Yep. And my nose is kind of stuffed up tonight, so it's probably even worse than normal. You know, so it's probably the only episode that I won't listen to you. You know, and I always wait for that Patriot email saying it's available to jump on and listen like right away. You know, and that's one other thing I would like to say is you being a Patreon supporter also is thank you for like, you know, just being a genuine supporter and not like we've had, you know, some patrons in the past, you know, they get like a little, you know, hot and bothered about certain things and like, you know, like, why aren't we getting this or why don't we get that? You know, and I know everybody runs things a little differently, but you know, you've always been like, just like super loyal and just laid back. And I've always loved that about you. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, I mean, ditto to that. I mean, it's, it's, I, I 100% understand where like gripes come from and stuff. And, you know, for us, things take longer than we want them to. And that's, you know, we, you know, we obviously, we always want to, you know, try and make things happen for people as quickly as we can, you know, and it's, it's, it's a tough thing. And it's easy to, you know, it's easy for us to overpromise, you know, but the, it all comes from a point of, you know, we just, you know, we like to make you guys happy and it, it's all, you know, in return for just the overwhelming support that we get to do this show. And, um, you know, I, 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 while, you know, I just appreciate it in general. I do. Yeah. Definitely appreciate the people who are also like <laughs> very, very patient and understanding and, and have been with us since the beginning, you know, like you, cause, um, you know, it means a lot to us that, you know, people, you know, stick with us for as long as they have and, you know, so on. So I really, really appreciate it. You know, well, I, I thank you guys for what you do. Like I said, I, I spend a lot of time in my truck, so podcasts are my life. And, uh, you know, when I got into RC, it was the show came out shortly after I got into RC, so it was like a perfect fit. Well, I, was, I guess, too, maybe a lot of your time's got to be covered because by the time that you finish one of Keenan's shows, you might have just enough time for us on your trip. Well, I, I listen to Keenan shows on one and a half. Yeah. Because I spend 12, 14 hours a day in my truck. Yeah, you know, Keenan's are four to six hours, but you listen to it on one and a half, and it, it shortens it up a lot. Yeah, that's a good that's a good trick actually is the uh one and a half. Yeah. People are, yeah, that's a good that's a good hack for the long ones if people don't know about that to speed it up. Yep. Two is too fast for Keenan because then he sounds like a squirrel. But a one and a half is that magic spot for Keenan show. <laughs> I like it. You know, he's probably the most consistent podcaster out there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, I would say he's probably the podcasting pinnacle at this point for RC. And a big shout out to him and No Name RC podcast. I, I definitely owe them some listens. I, I owe Keenan a message. It's been a while. Yeah, Keenan's a good guy. Um, yeah. We talk, not frequent enough, but we talk a lot. Uh, I did all the scale license plates for all his RC crawlers. You know, good, good dude. I, I, yeah. It's a good to listen to. You know, like I said, he's probably the most consistent. And then one of my other favorite ones is um, the Rip podcast with um, Jason Rona. Yeah. And that one, you, you can go four or five months for that one without one popping up, and then they'll do three in a row. <laughs> right. So, 
if people think this podcast doesn't produce a lot, I mean, there's other ones that don't do, and I'm not saying anything bad about Rip because it's one of my favorite podcasts too. Like as soon as it pops up, I listen to it as well. Yeah. It's like, great. it's just a matter of like when he, when he chooses to do one. Yep. Yeah. I got, I haven't listened to Rip in years. Um, yeah, it just got me thinking too. Um, but they're know. on like episode two twelve. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and they've been doing it for like eight years. Yeah, forever. <laughs> Rad. You know, yeah, that's got me thinking too. We probably need to bring Keenan on here again at some point because I'm sure it's, we're probably overdue for another scale talk. Yeah. And he's a lot deeper in scale now than he was then. Yeah. I, I think he's got like six trucks now. God, wild. That's awesome. And he, and he actually goes to like events there locally to him and his kids are deep into it and he loves his elements mm-hmm. so be a, a great time to talk element with you and Jay convincing yeah. him to get some uh, SOR products on there <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know, we've, been, it's, we've had that conversation before but yeah I think uh yeah, I think I think that's definitely a conversation we need to make happen. Like, this is that's another one where I'm like, I'm kind of sitting here thinking, like, oh man, that's that's been way too long. I know we did we, I think he was on track walk uh, track walk a bunch, but um, yeah, I don't think we ever got him on here. So yeah, we need to do that. So cool. But yeah, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't have anything else. But yeah, just again, huge thank you to you know you for you know the support and spending time with us tonight and. Um, yeah, no, yeah, really appreciate it, and hope you had as much fun as we did. I did. Yeah, we'll we'll have to get you back on one of these days. I, we've had we've had a couple of repeat guys that come on that just enjoy getting on just a BS. So we'll yep. definitely have to yep. get you back on. Sounds good to me. Just let me know. Awesome, Rad. Well, go ahead and close out here. So, all right, well, thank you, everybody. Uh, you know, appreciate. I'm sure everyone will appreciate kind of the, uh, <laughs> the the burst of episodes now that we're finally kind of getting queued up. So, uh, yeah, thank you everyone for the support. Thanks for listening. Uh, thank you, Scooter, for coming on, and uh, yeah, we'll have Jay on here next time. But um, yeah, have a good night, everybody, and see you guys later. See you. Bye.